I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm going to answer one of the hardest questions that people have. It's hard for them because they don't understand this. Let me erase my board. I just got through answering a bunch of questions in my reading of the emails. And the Bible says here in Isaiah 45 and 7, I want us to read this together. Isaiah 45 and verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And people say, well, is there another word for evil? No, there's one word for evil. There's actually two words, but they both come from the same word. There is ra. That's the common word for evil. That's the same word as you find here. And it's also the same word over in the book of Genesis the second and the third chapter, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's that word ra. You also have the word ra, R-A-A, R-A-A. Ra actually comes from this word. Sometimes one of the words will be a verb and other times it'll be a noun or a participle or something like that. You cannot take this verse here and isolate it. It has to do with what has just happened in the chapter and what happened in the previous chapter. Let me give it to you. This is what he's saying. In verse 27, God saith to the deep, Be dry. I will dry up thy rivers that saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd. Now, why would God say, that a pagan king was his shepherd because something that Cyrus is going to do down the road. He overthrows Babylon, overthrows Babylon, Babylon in 538 B.C. You can find that in Second, Second Chronicles the 36th chapter, the last few verses, 36th chapter. You can also find it in Second Kings, the 25th chapter. They say a lot of the same thing, but because that is the event that's happening, you need to read both of them. And then it'll also tell you that in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the one that was walking the streets. <clears throat> crying out, repent. God's sent Nebuchadnezzar and he's coming. You can look at that in the Jeremiah, the 38th through the 41st chapter. That's where Nebuchadnezzar's coming in and he's going to destroy uh, Israel. But Cyrus comes in. That was in 586 B.C. This was in 586 B.C. But in 538, that's when Cyrus comes and destroys Babylon. And that's what this is about right here. It's about Cyrus coming in. There's a reason he's called 
this God's shepherd and shall perform my pleasure. He's going to perform upon upon Babylon what God wants him to do and shall perform my pleasure even saying to Jerusalem thou shalt be built and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid well he's saying that but he's not giving the decree and then we we understand now Mr. Herodotus Herodotus will tell you this same thing Herodotus Herodotus. He is the father of history. Father of history. He will tell you there's a two volume set to Herodotus. It'd be very wise for you to get it. In Herodotus, he says the same exact thing that the scripture says right here. He says that that Cyrus, when he came, he he stopped the Euphrates River from flowing through Babylon. Babylon was, the Euphrates River was flowing through Babylon. The Babylon and the Tigris run southeast. And Babylon was straddling the Euphrates River. Babylon said, we cannot be conquered we're too we're too powerful and we've got a we've got a, a oops I'll get it in a minute let me go over here get to map this right here Babylon was on the Euphrates right here coming down here the Tigris and the Euphrates meet about a hundred miles north of the Persian Gulf. That's where they had that. That's where they had that Persian War in the early nineties. This is Iraq or Babylon, ancient Babylon. This up here is ancient Persia, or it's Iran or Afghanistan. Is all Iran? All the stands is up is uh, Persia. So they said, we can't be conquered. So Cyrus is the king. He's the king of Persia. And ancient, in ancient world, it's Persia, but it's Iran today. And they say, we can't be conquered because they had walls that were like 380 feet high. And they had, they had a river going around Babylon on all sides. And the, the depth of the river walls under the water was about the same thing, about 380 feet. They said, we can't be conquered. So Cyrus, this has to do with, I create evil. So Cyrus... He's, he goes over here above Babylon, goes above Babylon, builds a dam that will divert the river out here into the Arabian Desert, Arab Desert. You can get this not only out of the Bible, 
is you can get it out of Herodotus. And he will tell you the same thing that the Bible says. He dried up the river. When it was dry, they marched down the riverbed. And when they got into the the city was divided on, on this side of the river and on this side. It was 14 miles on each side. It was divided right here. They had a bridge, a seven-tier bridge that crossed that river on top so they could walk from one place to the other. They had down under the river, they had, it was a way to get down to the river so the women could wash clothes or do the things that needed to do. And so they left those gates open the Bible says they missed Herodotus, and the Bible says there were two leaved gates. Now, let's continue reading why this says, God says, I create evil. Look at verse 1 of chapter 45. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. How could Cyrus be God's anointed? He is going to give. He overthrows Babylon. This is in 538 B.C. That he overthrows Babylon. That's when he does it. But in 538 excuse me he overthrows Babylon in 539 excuse me 539 BC and then he gives a decree in 538 BC for the Jews to leave Babylon and go back to their homeland and to rebuild their temple or what's referred to as the house of God He gives that decree in the first few verses of Ezra and the last couple of verses of 2 Chronicles, the 36th chapter. He does it twice to go back and rebuild the temple. That's why he's called the anointed of God because he is delivering Israel from Babylon to their home by his decree. That was the first decree given by kings. There were four degrees. There was the first three was given for Israel to go back concerning the temple, to rebuild their temple. And then the last one is to rebuild the city. And it was all given by these Persian kings, by Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. Then let's look here at, at verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed... Cyrus was anointed. God had to put that in his mind to do that. To Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden. The right hand was the hand of authority. To subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates. Mr. Rodgers said that's what made it easy. They marched down the riverbed that didn't have any water in it. Then they came up in those two-leaved gates, walked in, 
Cyrus is in, uh, excuse me, Belshazzar is in there parting with the vessels of the house of the Lord that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, years before had conquered uh, Babylon, conquered Israel and carried away into Babylon. And then he says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass of Persia, of Babylon, and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Darkness would be those things that Babylon possessed since they were not believers. And hidden treasures of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel, for Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have even given thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, I called you my anointed, I called you my shepherd, because you're the one that's going to deliver Israel. You not only have the Euphrates dried up here, you have the Euphrates dried up in Revelation. Revelation, you start in about verse chapter 16, and then you get over to uh, through in chapter 18. Chapter 18, and God dries up the spiritual Euphrates, and that is Euphrates shipped goodies to all over the world back at that time. It was the busiest river in the world that they knew of, and it shipped goods everywhere. So when it tries to equate, drying up the Euphrates over in the book of Revelation is talking about all the goods that go into the world, it's going to be an international river, an international Babylon, or an international let us make a name system. Then he says, I am the Lord, there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, this is verse 5, though thou hast not known me. He's talking to Cyrus. Because he's arranged for him to do everything he's doing among all the conquerors of the ancient world, God says, I will come to these men, to Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, and I'll put it into their mind to give commandments concerning the temple, the temple, the temple, and Artaxerxes will give the commandment to turn the city to rebuild that. And he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, will these men do my will concerning Israel. Then he says in verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun from the west that there is none else beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create this evil that I am bringing upon Babylon and destroying them. Now when you want to read about this this, uh, destruction of Babylon, you've read, I guess you've read it, but you go over here to the sixth chapter of Daniel, Excuse me, the fifth chapter of Daniel. 
in the fifth chapter of Daniel, it talks about Belshazzar is partying with the vessels of the house of the Lord. This is the same time factor as over here in the 44th, 45th chapter of Isaiah about how to make peace and greed evil. And Belshazzar, he gives the testimony from Belshazzar's view about how that Belshazzar sees a finger on the wall there in verse 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And he got Daniel in there and said, Daniel, I'll give you half my kingdom. I'll give you all my kingdom if you can tell me what that says. And Daniel comes in there and, and interprets it for him. And he says, he says, you're found, you're waiting the bounces and found wanting. Your kingdom is numbered. And he says in verse 25 of chapter 5, and in this is the writing that was written, Mene, Mene, Tiko, Upharsen, and this is the interpretation of the thing, Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom, Belshazzar, and finished it, and Tiko, thou art weighed in the balances, and art found wanting, Peres, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians tonight. And your time is over. And they fell upon him and they killed Belshazzar. So that's the same time factor as right here in the 44th and 45th chapter of Isaiah. Now, another time factor to show you, it will show you the, the, what they did and go back to the 13th chapter of Isaiah. The 13th chapter is also the same time factor. You don't have all the uh, chapters of the Bible in exact chronological sequence. They don't exact follow each other, because this is talking about this is talking about Cyrus and Darius coming in, or it calls it the Mede Kingdom. Now, Persia was a dual kingdom. It was a Persian Mede Kingdom. So it will say the Medes sometimes. Darius was a Mede. Cyrus was a Persian. But they were, it was the same kingdom. The Medes, I've done some research on that. I believe they were uh, the Kurds of northern Iran. They moved over there from Europe. Now, what I want you to do is notice this. This is where God is sending the Medes in or the Persians in to destroy Babylon. This is the evil that God created. He said, I'm doing this. And then he says here in, let's start in verse 15. Isaiah, Isaiah 30, 13, verse 15. Everyone that is found shall be thrust through with some kind of spear or sword. Everybody in Babylon, when the Medes and the Persians come in, this is the evil that God says, I've created, I will bring them against you. And everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Everyone that's joined to Babylon, when the Medes come in and the Persians come in, their children also shall, also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. God says, I'm doing this. 
Their houses shall be spoiled and their wives ravished. The word ravished shall go. S-H-A-G-A-L. It means raped. God says, I'm behind it all. He said, you didn't have any pity for me. I'll have none for you. It means to copulate with. Behold, verse 17. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against the Babylonians, which shall not regard silver. You can't buy your way out of this Babylon. And as for gold, They'll not delight in that. You can't pile up gold and say, please back off from us. Say, no, sir, they're not backing off. Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces. This is the evil that he says, I'm, I create evil. And they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. They're going to do the same thing that you found over here in Hosea. When you go into Hosea, the 13th chapter, that's the first of the minor prophets right after you leave the book of Daniel. Hosea. When God says, I'll do it, he means I will do it. Look here in Hosea, the 13th chapter. And this is where the Assyrians are coming in to carry northern Israel away. This is another incident. But here's what God said he did to them. Hosea, the 13th chapter. Verse 15. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come, the wind of the Lord. Well, that is amazing. This east wind... More than once, Nebuchadnezzar and the Assyrian kings are called an east wind because they are east of Israel. This is Israel. This is Assyria up here. This is Babylon here. Babylon is called an east wind. And it's God's east wind. What's amazing, if if you study this enough, the scorpions or the, the locusts, when God would bring the locusts into Israel, they had to be blown in by an east wind because all this was desert out here. That was the Arabian Desert. There wasn't any place for the locusts to multiply to here. This was the Mediterranean Sea here, and this was all desert over here. So Israel, when locusts would come in, they had to be blown in by an east wind. And the locusts, when you look at Revelation 9, the Bible says, out of the bottomless pit. It's not bottomless pit. It's a busos, B-U-S-S-O-S come from bathos and the alpha primitive negates the word bathos means something with great knowledge or depth intelligence the alpha primitive negates that word it means no knowledge of God well all of the Mediterranean Sea 
was a place of no knowledge. There was no knowledge of God except in Israel, in the ancient world. They're the only ones that had God. All of this had no knowledge of God. And from the east, from out of here would come the scorpions. These were like scorpions. The amazing thing, these locusts that came out of the bottomless pit are the place of no knowledge. They were, scorpion is the word, the locusts were like scorpions. Something about the locusts did the same thing that scorpions did. Scorpios, S-K-O-R-P-I-O-S. Scorpios is the word scorpion, and the verb form, that's the noun. Scorpion means to, it would sting with his tail, and it had poison in his tail, and it would make the people numb. Well, they didn't have any feeling, no feeling. I'm going to equate you. The scorpions were like, the locusts were like scorpions. The bird form of scorpion is scorpizo, S-K-O-R-P-I-Z-O. That means to scatter. Now, the amazing thing, Jesus said, the hireling cows not for the sheep. He allows the wolf to come in. A wolf is a false teacher. <clears throat> and he allows the wolf to scatter scatter the flock. That's in John 10. Scatter the flock. That word scatter is the verb form of scorpion, scorpizo. Huh? I can't understand what he said. You wrote father. (laughs) The wolf to scatter the flock. The wolf was his false teachers. We know that. Jesus said wolves were false teachers. They're false teachers. Well, I want you to notice the wolf scatters the flock. Wolves were false teachers. And they scatter the flock. That's amazing because when you look at scorpions, they the scorpions are like locusts and they come from the east. And that was Babylon came from the east. And God called Babylon to come over to Israel and scatter Israel. Over and over again, the Old Testament said, God is going to scatter Israel because they have gone after Baal, the grove, Shemash, Molech, all the gods of Egypt, the gods of Syria, all the gods of the people around them, all the nations around them going after them. So God says, I will scatter you. Remember the four judgments, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast? So you can equate from the east 
to scatter Israel, these people over here were more or less scorpions because they came from the east and God says an east wind would bring them into Israel to scatter Israel. And is an east wind was like the scorpions. They were like the they were like the like the locust. These there's so many parallels all through this. Now let me go back here to let me read this about he's saying the same thing that he's gonna do to Israel. He says the same thing over here in in the 15th verse of the 13th chapter of Hosea. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. That's talking about Nebuchadnezzar's going to come or the Assyrians are going to come. They're all from the east. Here's something that will be puzzling to you if you don't know the location of Israel and the nations around them. This all this in here is desert. If they're going to attack Israel, they cannot. They come from the east and they can't come across the desert. They'd all die. So they had. They came from the east, but they had to come up above Israel, coming to Israel from the north. It will say they came from the north and they came from the east. It'll say that at different times. That's exactly true. You had to know the landscape to understand that. Now, let's read the rest of this. I was talking to you about how Israel would be overrun and people this is the this is the evil that God does when people disobey. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord it's God calling Nebuchadnezzar in or the Assyrians in to northern Israel to carry them away. And shall come up from the wilderness and his spring shall become dry and his fountain shall be dried up and he shall spoil the treasure of all the pleasant vessels. That's talking about all of the vessels of the house of the Lord which were pleasant. He will carry them away. And Samaria shall become desolate, for she, Samaria, was a city in northern Israel. It came to a place where all of northern Israel was identified as Samaria, just like southern Israel was identified as Jerusalem. Samaria shall become desolate, for she hath rebelled against her God, and they shall fall by the sword, and their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with child shall be ripped up. People say, God wouldn't do that. He said, I sure will. But see, he's not under the law. He can kill anybody he wants to. He can bring sword, famine, pestilence to anybody. Now let's go back over here to Isaiah 13. It's talking about Israel falling. I mean, excuse me, it's talking about Babylon falling at the hand of Cyrus. I don't know if I read all that. 13. That's what 
Isaiah 45, 7 is talking about. It's talking about Cyrus is going to come in and slaughter Babylon, rape their children, rape their women, just butcher them. And they did that. You've got several chapters. You've got the 13th chapter of Isaiah. You've got the 45th chapter, 44th and 45th chapter of Isaiah. You've got the 51st chapter of Jeremiah. It's talking about the destruction of Babylon. You've got the 5th chapter of Daniel. It's all the same time factor. Let me write those down. It's all the same thing. It's the same event from different perspectives. All right. Isaiah 45, 45, and particularly verse 7. We're talking about the verses before it. We're talking about Isaiah 13. And then we're talking about Daniel, the fifth chapter. And we're talking about Jeremiah. The the four the excuse me. Jeremiah is talking about the fall of Israel. This is talking about the fall of Babylon here. And it's talking about Babylon falling excuse me, Jeremiah. 51, yeah. Jeremiah 51 is about Babylon falling. Babylon falling. And when they fell, they were slaughtered and butchered. And God said, I did it. He creates evil, whether you believe it or not. If you don't believe God creates evil after you read this, then you don't believe God. The reason... Let me say this. Christmas, under its day, ancient name, under ancient name, under ancient name is the reason. reason God created evil evil in Israel because Christmas is the same thing as Baal in the Grove. It's the same thing that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D renamed the Feast of Saturn the Christ Mass. The Bible says so. The Bible says Revelation 17 and 5 that Babylon was the mother. She gave birth to and nurtured mother of harlots. If those were Idol gods, idolatry is what the word means. If if those were idols in Israel that they served for 500 years under kings, Baal in the grove, if that was idols, 
And if that's if the feast of Saturn was idolatry, then the feast of Saturn, which was what they renamed Christ Mass from December the seventeenth through the twenty fourth, if that if that's if that's what if that's what was idolatry, and this was idolatry in Israel, then they all come from the same source. Babylon, and it was all found in Genesis 11 and 4. This was the doctrine of Babylon. Let us make us a name. Let us make us a name is the very foundation. The word name is Shem. It means doctrine, authority. Let us make up our own authority. We don't like Shem ruling us. Shem was the second born of Noah, and he had the authority. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Now, I did a paper here. I did a paper. Does God create evil? I did another paper, Israel Eats Their Children. God says, I will make you eat your children if you go against me. Is that evil? God making them to be cannibals? Look over here in Deuteronomy 28.53. I'm going to go through all these things. I've got this on papers. I don't know why people won't read them. 28 now the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy is about God said if you don't go if you don't keep my commandments my statutes if you do keep them if you keep all my laws then I will give you I'll give you if you I'll give bless your body and your womb you have healthy babies I'll bless the fruit of the ground the fruit of your cattle you increase of the kind I'll bless your fields you'll bring in all good crops but he said if you don't keep my commandments I'll bring the sword I will bring it I'll do the evil I'll put it in men's minds to come in and attack you and slaughter you and then he says, if you don't keep my commandments, starting in the 15th verse of the same chapter, it'll come to pass that if we'll not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments and his statutes, that all these curses will come upon you. Cursed you'll be in the city. I'll do that, God says. Your field will be cursed. Your basket and store will be cursed. Your body will be cursed. and You'll bring forth stillborn children. And he says down here in verse 20, The Lord shall send. Who's going to do this evil? The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke. That's evil, isn't it? He's going to do that. Then he says in verse 21, The Lord shall make. God's going to make pestilence, disease, cleave unto you. Is that evil? Yes. But it's for their good in the long run. And then he says in verse 22, The Lord shall smite thee with consumption and with fever. 
and inflammation. <clears throat> Every disease is connected to inflammation, including bronchitis like I have. It's the inflamed bronchial tubes. Heart disease has to do with inflammation. Your arteries are swelled up and inflamed due to the cholesterol. And the sword and the blasting and mildew, and it'll be me that causes it, he says. Now, now let's go to the, those verses in chapter 28, verse 53. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body. Your kids, well, how will that happen? Well, God says I'll send the sword, first of all. When I send the sword, the sword means they'll come against you. All these nations will come against you. I'll bring Syria against you. I'll bring Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. That was the perennial enemy of Israel, right? It was, this is Syria right here. Right there. It's right next door to Israel. And they were always attacking Israel. Ben-Hadad was always attacking them. God says, I'll send that against you. And when I do, I will send this sword. The sword doesn't mean they're just going to come in and slaughter them all the time. He calls it a siege a lot of times. He would send them in there and they would just put up soldiers all around the city. All the highways would be cut off. No food could come in. And in about four to six weeks, the babies will start dying. And they will start eating their children. You say, I wouldn't do that. How do you know what you would do if you hadn't gone without food for eight weeks, if you could last that long? What would you do? God says, when the Sennacherib attacked Israel in that 18th chapter of 2 Kings, the Rabshakeh, the representative of the Syrian king, said, we will make you eat your own dung and drink your own urine because our siege will be such you won't have any food. We'll just, we'll sit out here and party and eat all we want. That was called a siege. And we'll have all we want. And you can come out. And we are so powerful you can't do anything. So you'll start eating your children. One of the best illustrations in 2 Kings. The 6th chapter. Two ladies got together. They were starving because Jehoram, who was the king of Israel, He was doing all of his father Ahab's same tricks. And he had all the Baal gods and all this in Israel. And and this is exactly what happened. That's when Ben-Hadad came in and attacked. And these two women, they had babies each and they both died. One said to the other, we'll eat my baby today and we'll eat yours tomorrow. 
They had an agreement on that. They ate one woman's baby that day. And the next day, the other woman said, you can't have my baby to eat it, even though it was dead. Can you imagine the pitiful situation they were in? And God says, I did. In fact, he said, in fact, turn over there to, turn over to 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. I want to show you this. People said, God wouldn't do that. He said, I sure did. Would God do evil? Yeah. Second Kings, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> this is what God would do when the sword would come in and he would have a siege come again come against the land. <clears throat> you think God won't create evil? You don't believe the Bible. Most of you that don't like the idea of God creating evil, you've never read the Old Testament, have you? You've got to read it slow. I was talking to Mary, my wife. She said, I've been reading, and she read through the Bible recently from one end to the other in several months. She said, I'm going back through it. I just can't believe these people in the Bible just ignoring God. She said, no wonder who's killing them. He delivered them from everything, picked them out. He said, I didn't choose you because you're the greatest of nations. You're the smallest, and I chose you, Israel. You ignored me. I delivered you out of Egypt. I've delivered you from every enemy, and you don't even care. In Second Kings, Ahab is dead. His son Jehoram is a ruling. Look in verse 24. And it came to pass, notice all the evil that's going on here, because God's going to say, I did that. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, he's the king of this nation right here. He's right there. He always liked to go in and attack Israel, which was just, just at his foot so he could... So he could be the ruler of all the world that he thought but he couldn't he wanted to be then he says and it came to pass after this that Ben Hadad Ben means son of Hadad so Ben Hadad means son of Hadad king of Syria gathered all of his host and went up and besieged northern Israel Samaria and there were great famine in the in Samaria. When you besiege it, the reason is he's not letting anybody come in or out. No water in there. No food coming in. They ate it all up and it's gone. They got soldiers out there and you go out there and try to get through those lines. They'd all kill you. They could have just come in on them and slaughtered them, but they didn't. They wanted to see them suffer and die slowly. And there came a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore eighty pieces of silver. An ass's head was a filthy animal. They were going to eat the ass's head. That's how hungry they were. And the fourth part of a dove's dung 
for five pieces of silver. They were going to eat dove's dung too. They did that. God said, I'll make you eat your own dung. And as the king of Israel was passing by, this was Jehoram, the son of Ahab. He was just like his father. He was low down. Passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? He wasn't a very nice guy. Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press, there's not any there. And the king said unto her, What ails you, woman? And she answered, The woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son, and we did eat him. That's not some figurative language. They literally ate the child. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to, now he's dead. The the other son is dead. Now it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall. And the people looked and behold, and he had sackcloth upon his flesh. Then he said, God do so to me, do more also to me, if the head of Elisha, Now, he's going to blame Elisha when he's serving all of these idol gods. It's not Elisha's fault. It's his fault, and it came from his father. If it had of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Elisha has taken over the office of Elijah. Elijah went off in a fiery chariot in the second chapter of this book. If Elisha's head shall stand upon him this day. But Elisha sat in the house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, This is what Elisha said to the elders. See ye how this son of a murderer... He's calling Jehoram the son of his father Ahab, who is a murderer. They murdered Naboth. They murdered a lot of the the priests and kings, or a lot of the priests of Israel, and has sent to take away mine head. Look when the messenger cometh, and shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of the master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him. And Elisha said, Behold, this evil is from the Lord. Does God create evil? He created this whole situation. He made Jehoram's heart hard because his father's heart was hard. And Jehoram's mother was Jezebel. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Let's go over to Jeremiah, the 19th chapter. It's going to tell you in the 19th chapter of Jeremiah 
I didn't finish reading in Deuteronomy. I'll come back to that in just a minute. But Jeremiah 19. This is about Israel eating their children. And a lady said, I never heard of that before. It's all through the Old Testament. You just haven't read your Old Testament. That's the problem with you. Now, he says here in the 19th chapter of Jeremiah. Now, we'll start here in, let's start in verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen vessel, an earthen bottle, and take of the ancients of the people of the ancients of the priests, and go forth into the valley of Hinnom. The valley of Hinnom was just south of Jerusalem. On one end of the valley of Hinnom, they called it Gehenna. A man named Hinnom had given it to Israel. And on one end was where they put all the dead bodies of the criminals and filth and trash. On the other end, they had the valley of Tophet, where Israel would offer their children in the fire to Moloch. And the same day they would go back to Jerusalem and they would offer an offering to God. Israel was crazy. Not any crazier than America, though. Now, go forth into the valley of Anam, which is by the entry of the east gate, the east gate of Jerusalem. You had to go down eastern section where they offered their children to Moloch why do you think God brought all this evil upon them and say hear ye the word of the Lord O kings of Judah he's talking to southern Israel here and inhabitants of Jerusalem remember Jerusalem and Judah is southern Israel southern Israel was the tribe of Judah and Benjamin thus saith the Lord of hosts behold the God of Israel, behold, I will bring evil upon this place. Who's going to do that? God. You don't believe God creates evil? <clears throat> he does it because of the way Israel ignored him. God's going to bring evil, more evil upon the United States. COVID-19 is just one of many pestilences that God has brought. He brought AIDS. He brought Ebola. He brought smallpox. He brought the virus of 1918 upon America. He brought the bubonic plague upon all of Europe, upon England. Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, the which whosoever heareth it, his ears will tingle. Those are the same words that's uttered in the 21st chapter of Second Kings when God said this... Manasseh, king of Israel, has corrupted Israel more than any other king before him. And when I saw that, he offered up a, he raised an Ashtaroth in the temple. He offered his sons through the fire. And God said, nobody's ever been this evil. And God said, just because of Manasseh. And I thought, Manasseh needs to go to hell when he dies. <clears throat> but you got to go over to First Chronicles, where Manasseh was carried away into captivity. 
and he repented. Manasseh is one of the best examples of how wicked a heart a so-called Christian can have. And he was a believer. And he did more evil than any of the kings before him. And God says, I want to bring evil upon Israel because of Manasseh's wickedness, that whosoever hear of it, both his ears shall tingle. The same thing he says here. Because they have forsaken me. Israel has forsaken me. And have estranged this place and have burned incense in it unto other gods. In Tophet, southeast of Jerusalem. Whom neither they nor their fathers have known. Nor the kings of Judah. And have filled this place with the blood of innocence. word innocent is naki in a q. Uh, It means all charges were dropped to the ground when they killed their firstborn children and offered in the fire to Moloch. They were completely without sin. That shows you that babies don't sin. Like some of the Calvinists say. They have built the high places of Baal. Talking about Israel. This is why he brings evil upon them. To burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal. Who was Baal? Hercules. When you look up Hercules in McClinic and Strong, it'll tell you this was the Tyrian Baal or the Baal of Tyre. That that when when Ahab married Jezebel of Tyre, her father was Ethbaal. He was the priest of Baal. She brought him down into Israel and made Baal in the grove, the god and goddess of Israel, northern Israel. Which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came into my mind. Now people try to use that and say, God didn't want him to do that. What he's talking about, when I said, give me your firstborn, and he said, they're all mine, because when you left Egypt... I bought all the firstborn with the blood over the doorpost. And they're mine. And he gave the firstborn all the inheritance of Israel. If they were righteous and godly. But Reuben was not. So God skipped Reuben and went down to Judah. And went to Levi to be the priesthood. It should have been Reuben. So I didn't have that. I didn't mean... When I said I want your firstborn, I didn't have it in my mind for you to kill them and burn them in the fires to Moloch. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that this place shall shall no more be called Tophet. Tophet comes from the word Toph. One of the writers says it means drum that they would drum the drums so loud so they couldn't hear the screams of their children as they burned them in the fires to Moloch, their firstborns. And to be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. I will make void the council of Judah and Jerusalem in this place. Don't come talking to me anymore, he says to Judah and Jerusalem. I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies. Talking about Israel. Most people don't know that Israel was that evil in the Old Testament. 
and by the hands of them that seek their lives and their carcasses will I give to be meat for the fowls of heaven and for the beast of the earth and I'll make this city desolate and in hissing to hiss means to make fun of them they're going to be laughed when they come by see is this the God of Israel that he couldn't even deliver his own people Everyone that passeth thereby shall be astonished and hiss because of all the plagues thereof. And I will cause Israel to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters, and they shall eat every one the flesh of his friend in the siege in straightness when I cut off all, all roads into Israel, into, into the cities. And I'll be able to siege and I'll have it surrounded by soldiers. The Bible says Jerusalem be compassed with armies. They'll be surrounded with armies until the times of the Gentile rule over Israel is fulfilled. And that began to happen in 1948, May 14th. They became a nation again. For They'd been scattered for 2,600 years. And straightness wherewith their enemies and they shall seek their lives and shall straighten them then shall break the bottle in the sight of the men that shall go with thee now go back to Deuteronomy there's much about this I'm just barely getting started on this Deuteronomy 25 Deuteronomy excuse me 28 Deuteronomy 28 Starting here in verse 53. And they shall eat the fruit of their own body. It's talking about when Israel... Now, here's the amazing thing. They're not even in the promised land yet in Deuteronomy. He's telling them, when you get there, you're going to turn away from me because I'm going to arrange it. He arranges them to turn away from him. How do you know that, Jim? Romans 11.11 said, Did Israel stumble merely to stumble? God forbid they stumbled so that salvation could come to the Gentiles. The Gentile church. So they're all stumbling and falling by God's arrangement. And they shall eat, this is verse 53, They shall eat the fruit of their own body, the flesh of thy sons and thy daughters, which God which the Lord thy God hath given thee in the siege and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee, so that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eye shall be evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his bosom and toward the remnant of his children which he shall leave, so that he will not give any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat. He'll be selfish. I'm keeping this son of mine. He's dead and I'm going to cook him and eat him. You see, I wouldn't do that. You have heard of the Donner family that went out through Utah back in the 1800s and they were going out there and they got into a snowstorm out there freezing and they all ended up started dying and they started eating one another. This is the 1800s in America. Or the, the 
the team that uh, the soccer team that crashed in the plane back in the 60s they crashed in the Andes I believe it was the Andes down in South America and there was snow and ice and all in it there and after a while the bodies began to freeze and they said if we don't eat one another we'll not survive so they did you say I wouldn't do that you don't know what you'd do if you hadn't eaten any food for six weeks eight weeks what would you do now the tender and delicate woman among you which would not venture to set the sole of her foot upon the ground of delicateness and tenderness her eye shall be evil toward her husband of her bosom and toward her son and toward her daughter and toward her young one that cometh out from between her feet it's talking about the birth the one she's birthed herself See, most people don't. I wonder what this is talking about. It's talking about exactly what it says. They were eating their children in the siege because they had just forgotten God. And toward her children, which she shall bear, for she shall eat them for want of all things secretly in the siege. She'll eat her own child that came up between her legs. Wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in the gates. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear the glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. You know, we can't even stop reading in this. He tells it over and over and over because he ignored God. Let me give you something else here. Let me go over here to Lamentations. Lamentations. I'm going to go through a lot of this about God creating evil. The Bible says it over and over and over again. Lamentations. That comes right after Jeremiah. It's It's the lamenting of Jeremiah. He is lamenting weeping over Israel because they've done all these things he walks through the streets for 40 years and tells them Nebuchadnezzar is going to come God's going to bring him the Bible says in Jeremiah God's going to bring him out of the north he said I'll do this how much time do I have Mike? 27 maybe I can get in a little more of this where did I say we were going to go? Lamentations. Lamentations. Well, Jeremiah is lamenting. To lament means to weep and mourn. He's putting sackcloth and ashes on himself. And he's just tore up about all this. Here in Lamentations. It's not very long. This is the saddest book in the Bible. I think it's the saddest. Because Israel's been carried away. They've been slaughtered. Many of them have been left dead in the streets, at least. And the rest of them have been carried away to Babylon. And when you get over here in the fourth chapter... All through this book, he's talking about all that God is doing to Israel. 
He says here in Lamentations 4, in verse 9, They that be slain with the sword, that's God's judgment upon Israel, are better than they that be slain with hunger. It's better to be killed with one lick than to die over a long period of time with hunger. For these pine away. They just, they shrivel up and die slowly. Stricken through for one of fruits of the field. The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. Sodden is the word bashal, B-A. S-H-A-L Boiled B-A-S-H A-L Bashal means boiled they boiled their own children they boiled them their own children they were their mate in the destruction of the daughter of my people the daughter of God's people was Jerusalem the Lord hath accomplished his fury you don't think God creates evil you're just an antichrist you don't believe God do you he hath poured out his fierce anger you don't think God gets angry at a people that he's delivered and made them a chosen people and delivered them out of Egypt and given them all these miracles, giving them bread in the morning, doves in the evening, water out of a rock. You know what it would take to, to give two and a half million people water out of a rock? It would take a river. It wasn't a little stream when he struck the rock. It was a river of water. It would take that. Hath kindled a fire in Zion, and it hath devoured the foundations thereof. And he says back here in, let me go back to verse 20 of chapter 2 of Lamentations. Behold, O Lord, consider to whom thou hast done this. When he's talking about this, he's talking about all through here, how that the prophets were foolish. God has accomplished his, his evil against them. He's talking about Israel. Behold, O Lord, consider to whom thou hast done all of this evil. Shall the women eat their fruit and children of a span long? Span is the word tapuk. T-I-P-P-U-C-H. It means nursing infants their infants were dying for lack of milk lack of food whatever they fed the babies back then the young and the old lie on the ground in the streets my virgins and my young men are fallen by the sword he's lamenting over Israel being cut to the ground by Babylon Thou hast slain them in the day of thine anger. He said, God, you slayed them in the day of your anger. Not in the anger of, of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Thou hast killed and not pitied. Thou hast called as, as in a solemn day my terrors round about, so that in the day of the Lord's anger none escaped nor remained. Those that I have swaddled and brought up hath mine enemies consumed. God raises up evil men to cut us down, but it's not always evil. In God's sight, it is to, it's the same thing as the scourge in Hebrews 11. God scourges every son he receives that we might be a partaker of his holiness. Scourge is the word mastics. The mastics or mastigao. That was a little short whip. A little short whip with a smart short handle. Had leather thongs on it. God says, this is what I do. And pieces of glass and bone all hooked up in it. And for a man to receive the scourge like Jesus did and go to the cross, you had to be a very strong man to be able to do that. He couldn't have otherwise. There's no way he could have lived under the scourge. But he was a carpenter. He had muscles. He, you ever been around carpenters that were carpenters all the time? I used to lift weights when I was in high school. My father would work on a job as a carpenter. Some of those guys would come to the house. I thought I was strong. They'd, one of them would grab me by the arms and I couldn't move. They had a grip like a vice. Jesus was a carpenter. He wasn't that little pansy looking Jesus that we see. He was strong. He was able to withstand. God made him a carpenter so he could make him withstand all of this persecution and crucifixion he had to undergo later on. Now, there's some other word I want to read to you in this book of Lamentations. It's Lamentations 2 and verse excuse me, 3 and verse 37, 38 and 39. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass? Who else but God? Where the Lord commandeth it not, who can say it, and God didn't command it, and it come to pass? Nobody. Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good, You mean evil and good don't come from his mouth? Yes, it does. That wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins. Look at Amos. Go to Amos. Amos. People say God doesn't do evil. Are you sure? Look here in Amos 3. Let's start reading here in verse 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? You can't walk with the world. Will a lion roar in the forest when he hath no prey? No. 
Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snap on the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing of all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? What this is saying, if there's an evil in a city anywhere, God's doing it all. That's why you and I are sad as believers because we have been predestined to be conformed to Christ's image icon likeness it is our word I-C-O-N an icon is a representation we represent Christ and his likeness a representation of rock music would be rock and roll would be Elvis or would be uh, any of these other famous rockers an icon of the presidency would be Dwight D. Eisenhower John Kennedy George Washington they're all icons if you're an icon of Christ you'll be like him well he was a man of sorrows And acquainted with grief. How do you get sorrowful and grieved? Ecclesiastes one eighteen. And much wisdom is much grief. He that increaseth knowledge increases sorrow. The smarter you get, the wiser you get, the more grieved and sorrowful you'll become. I am sorrowful every day. When I look out at the world, I'm anxious to go be with the Lord. I'm sick of this body. I'm sick of a world that doesn't believe God. The preachers don't care about God. They read the Bible and say, well, God doesn't really mean it. He created evil. I've got a whole bunch of things to say on that. I've said a lot today. I've got a lot more. God kept saying, I will not pity. He, you got these people eating their children all over the Old Testament. They, they're burning their children in the fire to Moloch. Israel is doing that. In Luke 21, 20-24, God is speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem and Judah that he will bring about because Israel has gone after Baal in the grove and many other gods. When God brings judgment on Jerusalem and Judah, he will have pagan, sweaty, greasy Babylonian soldiers to rip the women up that are pregnant and have the babies' brains dashed out to pieces on the streets of Jerusalem. God says, you had no pity for me, I'll have none for you. You think God doesn't create evil? And then in Jeremiah 2, 
1 and 2. God says he will cover Jerusalem with a cloud of anger and cast down the beauty of Israel in his anger. He had no pity when he caused the Babylonian church to run through Jerusalem and slaughter by the sword the people of Judah. The young and the old will die in the streets. And God said, I have not pitied. He said, I caused it. When I caused your slaughter by Babylonian soldiers, God did not say, Nebuchadnezzar hath not pitied. He said, I will not pity. And we read that in Lamentations 3 and verse 43. God, you have covered us with anger. You have persecuted and killed us in horrible ways, and you have not pitied. Deuteronomy 7, 16. God commands believers to have no pity on idol worshipers. Kill them. Psalms 103, 13. God says he only has pity on those that fear him. Deuteronomy 13, 6 through 8. God says to Moses, If a man thrusts you out of the way, boy, everybody needs to remember Deuteronomy 13, the first eight verses. If you can't remember anything I've said, remember this. If he is your brother, you are not to have any pity for him. If he tries to lead you after other gods and false doctrine, you are to kill him. God is getting his eye, getting his eye for an eye in America. When men go after false doctrine, God's judgments are sword, famine, pestilence based. Pestilence and famine are upon the world, and God has brought out the sword or the gun in this nation, and he is causing a nation to turn on one another. All the killings in America are certainly the judgment in rebellious nation and God will have no pity on them, even the innocent. God worked his way. God worked this way in Israel and now he is working this same way in America. The worst is yet to come. Deuteronomy 19, 13, verse 21 Premeditated murderers shall receive no pity, but shall die, and false witness shall receive life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning. God is pouring out his anger and judgments upon America. He will not pity. Proverbs 19 and 17. We are to pity the poor and the downtrodden. Isaiah 13, I gave you this already. He said, I will bring these Persians in and these soldiers will rape your women. Jeremiah 13, 1 through 10, 13 and 14. Because Israel goes after their imagination of the gods, God says, I will make men collide with one another. I will not pity nor spare nor have mercy, but I will destroy the priests and the prophets of Israel. 
He's not talking about false teachers. He's talking about Israel's prophets are false teaching. And they're kings. Some will say that God will not have mothers kill their children or have serial killers to come in multitudes. Did God kill David's innocent baby? In 2 Samuel 12, 15-18. David got Bathsheba pregnant. He had. He said, I want that woman. He saw her on the housetop. She was naked. Get her for me. I want her. She was tempting, and she shouldn't have been out there exposing herself. But she was. David saw her and said, I want her. He got her over to the palace and got her pregnant. Then he said, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Her husband is Uriah the Hittite. He's in battle up among the Ammonites. I better get him back down here. He sends a message to send Uriah home. He says, come home. And he says, Uriah, you've been such a good soldier. You go home and sleep with your wife tonight. Maybe they won't make, Maybe they won't notice. Nobody will notice. When it's born, it looks like me. And Uriah doesn't go home that night. David comes out the next morning. And who is sleeping on the palace steps but Uriah the Hittite? He said, no, didn't you go home and sleep with your wife? He said, no, I didn't. How can I do that when my king is at battle with the Ammonites? David said, take this note to your commander. He's my nephew, Joab. Joab's a murderer anyway. He has no qualms about what he does. So he takes a message, put Uriah the Hittite. He was carrying his own death warrant. He took it back to Uriah. He took it back to Joab. He says, put Uriah in the heat of battle and withdraw from him. And where he'll be killed. And that happens. And David killed Uriah the Hittite, committed adultery with his wife. Then he took her to be his wife. But that night David cried all night long. When Nathan the prophet come in and said, You're the man, thou art the man, that took this one man's little ewe lamb. When you had all these other wives, David cried and God said, the baby is going to die. God killed David's baby. Then David stood up and said, I cannot bring him back, but I shall go to him. That means David's baby went to be with the Lord. Jeremiah 15, 1-14 Because of Israel's apostate coming, following other gods and false doctrine, God says, I will remove them to all the kingdoms of the earth. He does that with Babylon and Assyria and slaughters many of them while he's doing it. He puts in the heart of these kings to carry Israel away and slaughter them. And when he did it, he caused millions to die. Many were innocent babies in the womb. God said, I will have pity on Jerusalem. God said, I have brought upon the mother of the innocent young the spoilers at noonday. 
a mother of seven children shall die at the hands of this invading army of Babylonians. The seven children will remain orphans, and God will do it because of rebellious sin. He will not pity its coming America. How can the world, how can America be obeying the truth when the preachers are lying from the pulpits, all of them? Jeremiah 21, 7-10 God says, because of Israel's rebellion, I will bring the king of Babylon against Zedekiah and deliver Zedekiah and Nebuchadnezzar's sins. God will do it. He will have Zedekiah's sons killed before his very eyes, then have him blinded. They will punch Zedekiah's eyes out. He was a pansy king and be carried away in chains in Second Kings 25 and 7. Will God kill Will God kill innocent people? Yeah. You can believe the promise of his word that he will kill without pity, without mercy. The nation that preaches false doctrine and turns away from truth, God causes slaughter through these evil kings. Am I out of time? I'll read one more. Ezekiel 5, 5 through 17. Thus saith the Lord, because Israel hath changed my judgments into wickedness, because they have defiled his sanctuary, God says, I will diminish thee, I will not spare, I will not pity anybody. God says, I will accomplish my fury upon them when I called the king of Babylon to destroy them in a great slaughter. I have arranged it. Yes, God will have Ted Bundy's and David Berkowitz to go out and kill mercilessly. He will have mothers kill their children. In Matthew 10, 35 37, Luke 12, 49 through 53. Ezekiel 7, 4 and 9. God tells Israel because of their rebellion and going after idols, Baal in the grove, that he will send the sword, famine, pestilence, and beast. He will not pity when he sends his anger in the form of these judgments. He will pour out his fury and accomplish his anger on Israel. God will kill people. I've got so much more on this. I haven't even got into the part of this paper. Does God do evil yet? He says, I will do all of this. You just don't believe God. You and I believe the wrong the people. You haven't read the Old Testament. All through the Old Testament. He said, I do evil. I do it. I do it. I do it. I, he does say this over and over and over hundreds of times. He didn't just say it in Isaiah 45 and 7. If I'm out of time, I'll come back. I'll resume this message. I know this is sad. It's just, but it's the truth. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your truth. It's encouraging for us to know that the evil that comes is from you. It, if we thought it, men made it up themselves, 
then they could overthrow your evil that you want done. You want this thing to done. You're doing everything. You work all things after the counsel of your own will. Thank you for truth. Fight our battles for us. Those of us that are bowing to you, help us, Lord, to bow to you. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. We pray, amen. I know that's hard words, but I don't think people like that because it doesn't sound like they're God. And you know what? I don't believe it is their God. They serve another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. By Paul Karras. It's a real good history book. Is it? About how. Where did you get it? Um, I ordered it off the internet. Okay. The, the Devil and the Idea of Evil by the Paul Karras. I'll see if I can get it. Pretty good book. Just the history of, you know, these the old ancient people, how they perceived the devil and worshipped them. You know, I, <laughs> well, most of them are messed up. Yeah. I believe the devil is in our flesh. I believe Satan's in our flesh. Satan just means adversary. That's all it means. It's one who fights God is what it is.